feel there are certain assumptions that we tend to make about meditation practice. One of the assumptions we perhaps tend to make is assuming that just sitting down on a cushion or doing a retreat or going through the outer motions of meditation practice means that we're entering into the path of wisdom and compassion. I feel there's often a conclusion drawn that as long as you meditate, there's bound to be a certain fruition of that practice. You're bound to deepen in wisdom. You're bound to deepen in compassion. It feels probably necessary that we see that meditation practice can be used and misused in a whole variety of ways. For example, once on a retreat I had a group of um, vivisectionists who came to the retreat in order to use the meditation to develop more detachment when doing animal experiments. Um, Meditation can be used as a sanctuary, for example, if we don't necessarily feel very good about dealing with our lives or skillful in our lives, then we can use meditation also in a kind of medicinal way. You know, that I'm a bit upset or I don't like the way my life is going, so I'll go and sit. Um, Meditation can be used also in a way of developing personal power. Meditation can easily be used for this, to develop a sense of personal power, which is not necessarily rooted in wisdom or in compassion, and therefore can be misused. I feel for practice, for meditation practice, really to be used in a way which really leads to wisdom and compassion, it relies upon both our own motivation and intention And it also relies upon a number of inner qualities that actually we bring to this practice. I feel that deepening in wisdom, deepening in compassion, calls upon us to do much more than just to put in a number of hours on a cushion or to go through the motions of meditation First, I feel there needs to be a clear understanding about what our practice is for. Our practice is not just concerned with various altered states of consciousness or experiences, although they may be accessible through meditation. I feel some of the primary directions of meditation, one of them is that our practice is really to understand the nature of connection. That is one of the primary motives in our practice, is to understand the nature of connection. I mean, understanding the nature of connection, out of that comes an ethical relationship to life. Out of that comes an ethical relationship to our own being. Understanding the nature of connection is also learning to deepen our actual sense of connection with the present moment itself and all that it brings to us. And on a very real level, that means that our practice is being used to see through superficiality. I mean, when you look at many of the instances in our lives when we seem to be caught up in preoccupation or caught up in resistance towards other people, 
um, towards situations in our lives, so often that resistance is born because we are focusing upon the details of a person, images, aspects of them that we isolate and particularize. And one thing we don't have in that tendency to isolate and to see only superficially, what we don't have in that moment is any real sense of deep connection with the heart of that person or with the essence of that person. Understanding the nature of connection is also learning to connect inwardly with our own being. means going beyond the images, the conclusions, the assumptions that we have about ourselves. I feel in this practice we are actually engaged in understanding some of the most difficult and challenging lessons in our lives. On one level in this practice, we're learning how to step out of the limitations of conditioning. We're learning how to see anew, how to see freshly, how to see with sensitivity ourselves in each moment, each person that we encounter in our lives. We're learning how to be present inwardly and outwardly in a way that's free of judgment, in a way that's free of prejudice. I feel also in this practice we are learning the lessons of peace. We are learning what it means to be at peace with ourselves, to know a sense of inner harmony and rapport. We're also learning how the lessons of how to be at peace with the moment, with the variety of people and situations we encounter in our lives. Our practice, I feel, is to bring to us new dimensions new depths of sensitivity and new depths of receptivity, to explore our inner being to the depth, to the extent that through our insight, through our understanding of ourselves, we're able to leave behind belief systems and images and models about who we are that are destructive or undermining of our own sense of well-being. This practice, too, we're learning new ways of learning. You know, we have some very familiar pathways of learning, often feeling that our learning is primarily done through our thoughts and through our minds, that we learn just through accumulating information or collecting knowledge. And in this practice, I feel we're, le- we're beginning to understand that there are other ways of learning. There are other ways of seeing that don't involve us following those very well-traveled pathways of concepts and comparison and evaluation. Rather, I feel the practice offers us the possibility of understanding that there is a way of seeing, a way of learning that is born of deep intuition, deep connection, of learning really how to listen inwardly, listen without prejudice inwardly, and how in that capacity to really listen with deep sensitivity inwardly. We also understand what it means to listen to the sounds of our universe on a much deeper level than the path of just filtering what we see, what we encounter, what we feel through our concepts and comparisons. When we undertake this path, The one thing that we don't have 
is any guarantee of success. Other things in life, other uh, approaches to life, other challenges that we take on in life, there's often very strong and strict formulas that apply. If you do A, it will lead to B. If you do this, it will create a certain result. The one thing that meditation is missing is that guarantee and those formulas. Because when we sit with, we sit with ourselves, we are unique. Because we are unique, there is no standard map of unfoldment, no standard map that can be applied to everyone's practice. And perhaps the one thing that can be said of this practice is that it is totally unpredictable. And sometimes that absence of guarantees, that absence of formulas, leads us to feel insecure, leads us to feel anxious, because we expect results. So often, particularly in our culture, we have someone refer to it a McDonald's mentality. You know, you go in and you expect the result right away. You know, you sit down and you expect instantaneous revelations about your practice. It's a path, learning to be with ourselves, learning the lessons of peace. It's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always easy just to learn to be with ourselves. And yet the one thing we have encountered in our lives is that there is no one who is actually qualified to tell us who we should be, how we should live, how we should present ourselves. I mean, we live in a world which is so overfilled and overburdened with prescriptions and formulas. And you go into any bookstore, and it's filled with books that tell you how to. You know, how to be happy, how to be successful, how to be a good parent, how to be a good partner, how to be awake, how to be enlightened. And the world is also filled with authorities who most gladly and willingly will also offer us certain prescriptions for living of how we should be, what we should believe and how we should present ourselves in our lives. Our own life experience does tell us that nothing and no one outside of ourselves actually is qualified to tell us how we should be. Our own life experience also tells us that this abundance of prescriptions is really not sufficient really are not enough to offer answers, meaningful answers, to the questions that are important to us of how to be awake, how to be clear, how to be at one in this moment. In this practice, I feel, we are called upon in many ways to leave behind our desires for prescriptions, just to learn to be. The simplicity of learning to be learning to be through exploring, really, the depths of our own consciousness, through exploring the depths of our own being. What we do when we sit down is much more important than learning the mechanics of meditation. Really, when we sit down with ourselves in stillness and in silence, we meet ourselves. We see the stories of our lives, the stories of our inner being reflected in that moment in that willingness to be present, that willingness just to be alone, I feel we can begin in a very real way to explore the possibilities, to explore the horizons of our own potential. 
we can begin to explore our own possibilities of being very awake, of being at peace inwardly, of learning how to live with integrity and with dignity and with wisdom. Meditation is something that you can learn from a book. One doesn't have to do retreats or sit many hours in meditation in in order to learn how to meditate. As you know, there's nothing complicated about it. The simplicity of being alone isn't even something that can really be taught. It is something that can only be experienced. The sense of wholeness and connectedness of being fully present in the moment again, is really not something that can be taught or transmitted. Again, it is something that can only be experienced. Yet our practice is not that the practice in itself is filled with vitality, is filled with meaning, is filled with life. I feel that the way in which we are, when we sit alone, when we turn inwardly, that that very action or that very way of being in our lives is given depth and it's given life through the spirit in which we develop it. The qualities that we bring to our meditation, to being with ourselves, is what brings that deep sense of presence and sensitivity and fullness. One of the qualities that is very important, I feel, to bring to this practice is the quality of inspiration. Without inspiration, I feel we so easily become dull. Without inspiration, we so easily do become disconnected, both inwardly and outwardly. Inspiration, to me, is nothing more than energy. It is life. Inspiration is being connected with energy and life and vitality within ourselves. Particularly in times in our lives or in our practice when it's difficult, those times when we feel hazy, when we don't know what we're doing, that inspiration is what encourages us to keep questioning. It's inspiration in our practice, I feel, that encourages us to step beyond the boundaries of what is safe and what is familiar. And we're probably all aware of how very attractive those boundaries can be, how very attractive it can be in our lives, how very enticing to stay within the boundaries of what we know, what we're comfortable in, what we feel familiar with, what we feel safe in. It has such a magnetizing quality because by staying within those boundaries, we're really not asked to explore our own being. We're really not asked to extend ourselves. And that quality of inspiration, I feel, allows us to see the, the narrowness, the restriction of just staying within the confines of the known, of just staying within the boundaries of what feels familiar and safe to us. And I feel that inspiration that we bring to our practice is what allows us to question, allows us to at times go beyond what is safe and familiar. So many things about that meditation practice emphasizes can be so very attractive to us in theory. You know, for, to be alone, 
to explore the richness of aloneness, the, the completeness in aloneness. In theory, it's, it's wonderfully attractive. And yet, in practice, we experience how extraordinarily challenging it can be just even to sit with ourselves for half an hour, just even to begin to sense whether we can find a real sense of wholeness and connection just in being alone. We can see the desire, the, this quality of being very conscious, very awake. Again, it's very attractive in theory. And yet in our lives, so easily we're enticed into living in the confines of our habits, what is predictable to us, our routines, our structures. Again, in our lives, that can feel so much more comforting than actually extending ourselves into a way of being and a way of living in which we are simply open to the present moment, in which we don't use our habits and our structures and our our sense of order as a kind of sanctuary or protection Inspiration is born of different places. Sometimes inspiration is something that we need to nourish. At times it's nourished by really calling upon the energy of the Sangha, of people that we share similar aspirations with, of a community that treasures peace and harmony and freedom as we do. When the people who have the most difficulty in actually keeping alive a sense of vitality, I feel, in their lives, are those who are really most alienated from that kind of nourishment, who are really most disconnected from that quality of nourishment and from sangha. Because we know that our lives go through these rhythms and these waves, and there's often times when it's difficult and we feel to be in places of darkness within ourselves and stress outside of ourselves, And those are times when we need to be able to open ourselves to asking for support and to receiving support. And again, for meditators, that's often very difficult. There's often the feeling, well, I just need to do this on my own. I need to cut through this. And yet to recognize those times of vulnerability can be very precious times in our own lives. To be able to receive and to be nourished and also to be able to offer that The nourishment also comes from other areas. Nourishment needs to come from our own experience and from our own sense of vision. Meditation is truly an art. It's an individual art. And like any other art, its development calls for both love and for discipline. Sometimes we come to places in our practice when we wonder, well, what's the point of it? You know, what's the point of simply being present with my breath? What's the point of being aware inwardly? What's the point of trying to be connected with my inner experience? And at those times, we also need to recognize and really acknowledge that in being with our breath, in being with the practice of being with our breath, we are actually learning how to be with ourselves. The point is not to accumulate breaths. The point is not to be a good breather. The point is not to be skilled in breathing. 
In being with the breath, we are actually learning what it means to be with ourselves. Also, in being with our breath, we are learning how to connect with our own inner resources. Now, when you are alone in meditation, when we are alone and being attentive inwardly, we're aware that so many different things arise. Thoughts, feelings, images, sensations, memories, plans. Not everything that arises is easy to be with. Not everything that arises is pleasant. Not everything that arises are things that we can easily accommodate. It is the story of our lives. It is the story of our lives. None of us can control our worlds in such a way that they are filled only with pleasure, with ease, with comfort, with support, with affirmation. Our life experience means that we move through such a variety of different experiences just as we move through such a variety of different experiences inwardly. Learning how to be with our breath, we are learning not to shut things out, not to deny, not to suppress, and yet also not to be overwhelmed. We are learning essentially to explore our own options, new ways of being with all that is familiar to us. New ways of being with the pleasant, with the unpleasant, with the neutral. Learning that we don't necessarily have to be in that position of either being a warrior inwardly, where we're conquering and overcoming and cutting through things. Learning also that we don't have to be in that position inwardly of being the victim, where we're constantly overwhelmed and overpowered and floundering in the midst of our thoughts and feelings, learning that we don't have to be disconnected. In the practice, we are learning to explore our options, that there is a way of being present and a way of being conscious in which there can be enormous openness, enormous sensitivity, immense receptivity, learning that there's a way of being present within ourselves where we're not called upon to be judgmental, to be dictatorial, to be controlling, but learning that we can actually accommodate. Our experience in meditation tells us that we can do it, tells us that there is that way of being. And our experience in meditation, I feel, is simply and also purely a training for living. It is a training for learning how to live in that way, that in our lives we don't have to be a warrior, in our lives we don't have to be a victim, in our lives we don't have to flounder, that there is a way of being in our lives just as we can be in our practice, where there is really a fullness of sensitivity Our inspiration is also learning to draw upon that inner trust, learning how to draw upon that trust in our own resources, learning how to draw upon our trust in that place being within ourselves. Inspiration is also born of vision. You know, when you're asked the question, you know, who are you? Or you ask yourself the question, who am I? So often the responses that we receive are produced by our thoughts. We think that we know ourselves. And we describe ourselves in particular ways. 
I'm shy, I'm angry, I'm defensive, I'm passive, I'm gregarious, I'm, I'm warm, I'm open, or I'm closed. We have a whole range of descriptions for ourselves. And yet our descriptions are primarily based upon our conclusions, based upon isolating particular aspects of ourselves, usually ones that we don't regard very highly. And the very thoughts that we have about ourselves through which we think we know ourselves, so often aren't they the product of the thoughts of other people? Products of the feedback that we've received from the world or products of the ways in which we've interpreted that feedback. I receive a certain quality of feedback in my life from other people that tells me I'm angry or that tells me I'm I'm difficult or tells me I'm stubborn, I internalize it, perhaps from our childhood, perhaps from the present. We internalize it and we have a conclusion. This is who I am. And then we think that we know ourselves. We think that we know who we are. And on the basis of what we think about ourselves, we also construct our way of living in the world, avoiding certain situations, pursuing others, trying to create a reality that in some way supports and reinforces our sense of who we are. Learning in this practice is learning to awaken within ourselves, learning to open to a new vision of ourselves emerging, a deeper inner vision emerging that is not just based upon our thoughts, that's not just based upon isolating qualities within our personality. We're learning how to awaken or create a space within ourselves that encourages and inspires to awaken a new way of seeing ourselves in which there's freshness, in which there's openness, in which there's sensitivity, in which we acknowledge deeply and clearly that we have the capacity to be fully awake, fully clear, fully sensitive, fully compassionate human beings in which we trust in that vision more than we have learned to trust in our conclusions. You know, when we come, each time we come and sit in meditation, each time we come and sit alone with ourselves, there's something important that happens in that very action. In a very real way, in that moment of just being still inwardly, we leave behind us so many of the props that we rely upon in our lives to tell us who we are. Now, when you come in here, you're not asked to be a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or a partner. You're not asked to be in charge. You're not asked to be a victim. You're not asked to conform to any kind of identity. When you come into this room and sit alone, we leave behind us our structures, our, our habits, our sense of order. In a way, every time we sit in meditation, we open ourselves to a deep quality of vulnerability, a quality of nakedness. We can see how our minds pull in the roles and pull in the identities to fix us in some kind of role each time we sit. 
But in a very real way, we are simply naked and vulnerable and with ourselves as we are in that moment. It's a very rich vulnerability. It's a vulnerability which offers so many possibilities to us. It offers us the space just to be and just to explore and to experience the richness of that in each moment that we sit. It offers us a space in which a true and an authentic and a deep inner vision can emerge. And we need to create those spaces in our lives. That inner vision is rarely born of just bouncing our identities off other people. That vision is rarely born of pursuing roles or pursuing attainments. That vision, in a much deeper way, is a vision that is actually born of silence. And it's a vision which inspires us. Another level or quality that we need to bring to this practice that makes this practice vital, I feel, is a quality of contentment. Now, by contentment, I'm not applying a kind of passivity in our lives where we think, oh yes, I've got it all together, you know, I have all these things surrounding me, I have all this pleasure, therefore I'm content. There's a different quality of contentment, I feel, which we need to bring to this practice. Sometimes we think of contentment as being a result of meditation. You know, that if we sit, we're going to come to contentment. But that's partially true. But in a very real way, contentment is actually something we need to cultivate each time we sit in the meditation room. Each time that we sit alone. I feel when there is contentment, that quality of peace and quality serenity comes easily. Because think of what we do when we're alienated from that quality of contentment inwardly. Almost invariably, when we're alienated from that quality of contentment inwardly, what we experience is desperation different degrees of desperation. Desperation that's usually expressed in the need that we experience inwardly to be constantly reaching out towards things to fill ourselves up. That quality of desperation which means that our minds are almost always, very frequently, in a state of tension, needing something, feeling something's missing, feeling something's incomplete, and trying to get it in so many ways, through things, through people, through contact, through activity, through doing. And how much of that movement and that busyness is really a quality of reaching out that's born of that inner sense of there being a lack of contentment. Where does contentment come from? How do we ever find that quality of contentment? One way, I feel, one very clear way to being more connected with that quality of contentment in our lives is being willing to relinquish one simple thing. Being willing to relinquish our need to control. 
you're aware and can possibly sense how much discontent is born of our need to control. Our need to control our inner experience, our need to control our outer experience. How much discontent is born of the busyness that is created, the noise that's created through our need to control. Our lives on every level tell us that our, our belief in control are simply illusions. It's one of the hardest lessons for us to learn, both in our lives and in our meditation. You know, we send out all these orders to the world, unconscious orders to the world. Please don't disturb my security. You know, please don't disturb my sense of pleasure. Please don't disturb my sense of order. Please don't disturb my routines and my habits, etc., etc. The world, unfortunately, hasn't heard about nor feels compelled to obey our orders. So we are constantly faced in our lives with change, with the unpredictable, with that which doesn't obey our commands. And what does it do to the mind? And that what, what is happening in those moments, so what is being created, the tension that is created, is the tension of disconnection. Because we know on another deeper level, intuitive level within ourselves, that there is change, that things don't last, that we can't rely on things. And yet so many times in our lives we make the choice that we would prefer to believe that we can control our world. And so we struggle with reaching out, we struggle with tension. How many times we find ourselves in our meditation placing demands upon ourselves about what we should experience, how our meditation should unfold, what kind of experience we should have, and how disappointed we are when we discover that when we sit with ourselves that our minds simply do not obey our dictates, our commands, that our practice doesn't unfold according to our expectation, according to our demands. And how often the very response to that is tension, is struggling to capture and to freeze our and set our present experience into a mold that feels satisfying to us. Control is an issue in our lives, a quality in our lives that creates a relentless sense of noise and tension and busyness and activity. Being out, relinquishing that desire to control doesn't mean floundering. It doesn't mean being directionless. It doesn't mean being lost. But it's really being very clearly aware of where we are disconnected from the way things are. Peace in life is not the capacity to control our inner or outer experience. Yet we often believe that, that peace in our lives is our capacity, or will come, when we're able to control our inner and outer experience. Peace is the capacity to be with what is without prejudice. When there is conflict in our lives, when there is tension in our lives, those are the times when we really need to check in inwardly. Are we simply disconnected from the way things are? Are we simply alienated, separated from the way things actually are? And how much conflict in life, how much tension in life is simply the tension of disconnection. 
Our practice in a very real way, I feel, is learning how to connect. Learning how to connect with actuality. Learning how to be present with actuality. Learning how to live in accord with the way things are. Out of that contentment, I feel, also comes two other qualities which are very important to this practice. The qualities of generosity and the qualities of compassion. We are often not bad or pretty good at extending compassion and generosity towards others. Forgiveness, acceptance, openness, willingness to accept. It's something that we are not always very good at inwardly. Instead, inwardly, we are often so skilled in being the inner critic who knows all too well about how to highlight weaknesses, how to highlight imperfections. Part of this practice is learning to really nurture that sense of generosity of heart, generosity of spirit, and compassion towards our own being. Because that, it is those qualities in our practice that brings a softening in the consciousness that brings an opening of the heart, that brings a softening and a gentling in so many of the judgments we find ourselves engaged in. That generosity and compassion, I feel, also means a real minimizing of the tendency to draw conclusions about ourselves, to draw conclusions about who we are, about our inner experience. Instead, I feel out of that generosity of spirit and that compassion comes a willingness to be with what is. In meditation practice, you know, often there's much spoken of about breakthroughs. And often breakthroughs are regarded as breaking through to some other level of experience, some elevated plateau of experience. And yet I feel there is one significant breakthrough in meditation practice that is totally transforming. And that is breaking through our resistance to being with what is. And that is the most important and the most fundamental breakthrough in meditation practice and in our lives. Breaking through our resistance to just being with what is. And I feel when, when that breakthrough occurs, so many of the qualities that we seek for in our practice of peace and love and compassion and wisdom, so many of those qualities which often feel so very elusive, once that one breakthrough is really seen and really experienced, those qualities are immediately accessible. Because it is in being with what is totally clearly, wisely, and fully present with what is, that there is peace, that there is an opening of the heart, that there is love, and that there is generosity. The practice is something that is enriched by what we bring to it. Our practice takes on the flavor of the qualities that we bring to it. And our practice can simply be a deepening in wisdom and a deepening in compassion if we undertake our practice in the spirit of generosity, in the spirit of openness, with inspiration and with contentment.
May all beings be at peace within themselves. May all beings live in peace with one another. May all beings live in peace.